0: Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com, so please subscribe.
1: Good morning, Matthew. Justin Brown, Managing Director at Element25. 25. Element25 25 have just delivered the first stage of a multi-stage manganese uh, project in the Southern Pilbara, and we are uh, transitioning the last 12 months from explorer to producer and looking to grow beyond that aggressively.
0: Justin Brown, welcome back, sir. It's been almost a year, have you
1: been? Been well, thank you. It's been a pretty interesting, exciting, and uh, some might say turbulent time in global global sort of uh, business markets. But but we've done well.
0: You've got a bit of lockdown to deal with as well along the way. How are you coping? We
1: have, although well, Western Australia's uh, been something of an oasis, to be honest. So we've we've enjoyed the the benefits of that. Um, we've been very fortunate.
0: Good, good, good. Okay, so you've moved from uh, developer to producer. It happened.
1: Well done. Thank you. Yeah, I think when we last spoke, we we had a vision. Uh, that vision is now a reality, so we're, we're pretty excited about that and we're pretty excited about what the future holds. Okay.
0: Well, you had a 3-stage plan, if I remember, from uh, last time. Uh, I think you delivered stage 1, so we sh- should we talk about that first in terms of you know what that took to actually get that going because it, it happened in fairly short order as well.
1: Yeah, it did. So I think when we last spoke, we were still looking for a funding solution for stage one. We identified a low capital cost uh, module that we could uh, build uh, without sort of damaging the the company share structure. We uh, did that for about twenty million dollars, all raised in equity, um, and uh, so we have no debt. We have our first operational module. Uh, we have our first cargo shipping out. Um, and it's it's reality now, so um, it's been a, been a great twelve months for us.
0: Yeah, so okay, you got the first. Cargo shipping. And, I mean, tell us a bit about that. So, how, how much? Where? What's it mean?
1: So, we did a uh, an off take arrangement with OM Holdings. OM Holdings have a small facility in Sarawak, Malaysia. They are uh, have a take or pay obligation to us for all of stage one over the first five years of the project. Um, that material will go into the silica manganese market. So, silica manganese is an alloy, an intermediate alloy that is used in steel. And the primary input for that is obviously manganese. Our ore is perfectly suited to that. They will take the material, smelt it, produce the alloys and sell that into the steel bills. So, um, volume wise, uh, this cargo is 27,000 tons. Um, it'll ship out of Port Hedland, uh, in the northern part of the Pilbara, Western Australia. Um, and uh, nominally, we'll ship about thirty thousand tons a month going forward.
0: Right. So th- this is the this is the starter pack, as it were. This is the proof of concept, a product in, into market. And what? So remind me of the, the terms
1: of that deal again, please. So they they take all of stage one up to four hundred thousand tons per annum. Um, our nameplate is three hundred sixty-five thousand tons per annum. Um, and we hope to exceed that obviously once we hit our straps uh, post uh, commissioning ramp up. Um, beyond that, we have control over the material, but they have a take or pay commitment to that first 400,000 tonnes over the first five years. Right. And do you make money on that? We do. Yeah. So the, uh, the feasibility stays, it, the, the impacts, I guess, of the variables around manganese price, Forex uh, exchange rates, um, and, and the like. But, but based on the assumptions in the PFS, we make about 30 million Aussie in free cash per year from that module. Right. Okay. Fantastic. And over what over what period? Sorry. So the initial uh, mine life is about forty years, but bearing in mind that only uses about twenty percent of the global resource, so obviously prime for expansion beyond that, which is our intention.
0: Right. And um, so, how many other contracts or how many other conversations are you having about contracts at the moment? Because you want to be dependent on one you know client.
1: Yeah. No, no, it's a it's a fair point. So I think it's fair to say the appetite for the concentrate that we produced was strong. Uh we had a number of parties in the room, most under confidentiality, so I can't name them, but they were genuine well-known players in the manganese market space. So um we have a good appetite for the material um and don't think we're at risk uh you know of not being able to place additional material as we produce it. Um, we're close to the markets. I mean, most of the stuff gets consumed in Southeast Asia. Um, our competitors are in South America or South South Africa or Eastern Europe. Um, we, we enjoy some nice proximity to the customers, um, and they uh, also like the fact that we're a West Australian-based mine site with the uh, benign geopolitical environment that, that 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 sort of comes with.
0: So, we're something in the market at the moment. Obviously, people you, you mentioned obviously alloys as, as, uh, already, but you know, people are talking about. EV and battery thematics and substituting mm. in manganese into new battery designs, etc. I mean, so I guess the, the, the future sounds nice and rosy, but, but today with the competition mm. that's out there, what's happening with manganese price? Because it's, it's plentiful, but mm. you've still got to deliver it to clients. So you know, how, how are you managing?
1: No, you do. And, and I think that's a really important point. So if you look at the global shipping environment as one sort of part of the the logistics supply chain for manganese and other bulk commodities, it's extremely tight. Shipping, shipping prices are up. Um, and what's that, What that's effectively doing is pushing manganese prices up. So manganese prices are are uh, peaking, um, breaking off their lows, and, and heading north. And you know, I guess one of the advantages of being close to markets is that shipping impact impacts us less than perhaps our competitors who are much further afield. So um, whilst yes, it costs us more, it costs them more than us um, incrementally. And so, um, and you're seeing that comes through in the manganese price. Manganese prices are looking really strong and he- expected to head up. Um, in terms of other things, um, you know, it's a balancing act. When the commodity boom run is is in full swing, like it is now, um, you know, labour markets do get tight, supply chains get tight, so long lead time items potentially take a bit longer. We're we're battling those things like everybody else, um, but fortunately, the equipment we needed for stage one was ordered well in advance of the current squeeze, and that was delivered um, on time and on budget, so we didn't have any impacts there. Um, going forward, um, look, there may be more, but look, we've got we've got a low cost uh, basis that we operate from, so I think we can weather those things and and, and make nice profits along the way.
0: So manganese prices going up, but margins being captured elsewhere. I mean, or, or are you saying that you're going to be able to capture some of the upside because shipping costs for others will be higher, but not necessarily for you? Yeah. I mean, you're trying to exactly tell so me so that's good news, hitting, right?
1: That's good news. It, it, it's it's Relatively speaking, good news. So, as that manganese price heads up, the impact on our logistics costs is less than competitors. So, some of that gets converted to, to margin for us.
0: Okay. So, the size of the, the manganese use in alloy at the market, alloys, is, is what at the moment? You're fitting into. Oh, look, market? the total in terms
1: of manganese metal tons contained manganese is about 20 million tons a year. Right. Okay. Okay. So, it's not huge. Well, it's the fourth largest traded metal, so it's not small. It's it's not huge compared to iron ore. Yeah,
0: but it's but it's but it's big enough. Okay, so okay, it's fourth on the on the bulk list. Okay, interesting.
1: Fine, and and you're going to try and capture what percentage? Oh, look, it's 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 modest in stage one. If you look at if you look at our uh, glow, look at our expansion plans to a million tons, just to give it some simple mass for me to do, you're looking at something like two uh, percent.
0: Right. Okay. Okay. It's not, not insignificant either. And um, so, can we just go into the battery thing? I mentioned it a second ago. You know, we, we talked about sort of batch designs, you know, and manganese becoming a more important staple, as it, as it were. Um, have you, are you having conversations with battery manufacturers, car battery manufacturers?
1: Yeah, no, we are. And, and I think um, a little bit of context there, Matthew. Manganese has always been an input in batteries for at least the last hundred years. Um, it's becoming more dominant in the new generation of batteries. So the EV batteries are a uh, using cathode chemistry that com- combines currently nickel, manganese, and cobalt. Um, what we're seeing come through in discussions with potential off-takers is that manganese is becoming a more dominant component of those cathodes in the next generation of batteries. So what we're seeing is announcements from the of Tesla, Volkswagen. They want to move towards a much higher manganese content in their batteries. So, if you look at the demand projections for manganese sulfate, which is the chemical form of manganese, as distinct from the material that goes into the alloys, um, demand uh, projections are incredibly strong, um, exponential, um, starting to really get going in about 2024. And uh, we want to we want to tap into that. That's perfect timing for our development plans.
0: What are the use cases for those batteries then? Because obviously they're going to have to substitute something out, presumably. So, what are we looking at?
1: Yeah, so the, the, the three metals that go into the cathode are in the current generation is nickel, cobalt, and manganese. Um, the cobalt uh, side of things is problematic for ethical reasons and, uh, and the like. The primary producers are in the DRC. Which causes some problems from a uh, emissions point of view, child slavery point of view, other ethical concerns, environmental concerns. So a lot of these guys are trying to phase out those kinds of uh, inputs into their battery chemistries. And cobalt is scarce, so it's difficult to get hold of reliable supply as well. And if you're going to build these multi-billion uh, euro gigafactories, you need security of supply, um, and you need it to be ethical and low carbon. So um, nickel uh, is the preferred choice right now in the current generation, but increasingly they're finding that more difficult as well because the Class 1 Nickel supplier side of things is tight also. And what they're doing is saying, look, well, manganese is more abundant, it's lower cost. And there's two things these guys need to do. They need to secure supply and get their cost down. And manganese is showing itself to be the real prime mover in doing that. And so the next generation of batteries from Volkswagen and Tesla were much higher manganese contents. And that means that those growth forecasts from the demand side are going to be even stronger.
0: Okay, yeah, it's an interesting times on the battery design for sure. Um, with regards to what you've learned from your phase one operations, obviously. You optimize and you try and you know adapt the, the flow sheet to give you better margins, etc. So, what are the kind of key learnings? Because you, know, you have it, you've done it in an accelerated way. Okay, you, you mm-hmm. you've done it quickly, right? Less less than twelve months. It's, it's a good effort. Yep. What are, what are the things that you're now are going to be able to do better as a result of having gone, to, gone through that process?
1: Yeah, no, fair question. I mean, they they, they range from very very minor things, um, it, layouts and things like that, material movements, that sort of thing. But they're they're pretty trivial. Um, one of the things that we've we've just trialed is putting a scalping screen in front of the crusher to debottle the crusher. That was quite successful to and showed us a a, a, a runway to actually sitting nameplate on the throughput of the current plant design potentially because we found that the crusher bottleneck. Um, was not a bottleneck, in fact, for the log washer or the all sorts, the other parts of the plant. So if we de the crusher, we can then, for the same capital input, generate more tonnes through the plant or, or a minor incremental increase in capital, you put more tonnes through the plant and that goes to the bottom line with the same labour cost, power cost, etc. So some of those optimizations will roll through into stage 2 um, and we're understanding where the bottlenecks are, where we need to expand in our various stages and where we perhaps don't need to expand. So, We're, we're showing that um, whilst our base case for expansion was a replication of the stage 1, in fact, we're seeing opportunities to reduce capital Below a simple replication, so we may even do better than the PFS on stage two. Right. Okay. Well,
0: that's interesting. So, so stage two is about expansion. Yes. Looking at some cost savings and expansion means what to you? Is it just about the throughput? Because you 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 have been producing. It's not quite at nameplate yet, but getting there. So, what does yep. stage two look like?
1: So, stage two is, is is increasing tons in the front and tons out the back. So, with better uh, performance on grade and yield um, in a perfect world. And so, I guess our two levers, really, in terms of the economics of the project, are getting more tons out the back end and better grade out the back end. Those are the two key economic drivers for us. So, we could, there's a, there's a crossover point with those two things. We could put you know, X percent more tons out the back end at a slightly reduced grade, or we could put um, slightly fewer tons out at an increased grade and, and have more payability. So balancing those two is, is one of the things we're working on.
0: So you fully you said you're fully funded. You are fully funded to what at stage two?
1: So for the the uh, the normal capex for stage two is another twenty million Australian dollars. Uh, we're fully funded to that level.
0: Fantastic. Okay, and you've got to have some degree of confidence before you press the button on that that you've got the ability to sell it into market. Now you can go. Without contracts or you can, you go and sign up a few more contracts or you can have a combination of the two. I mean, mm. how are you going to play it? Because, you know, we've seen different models, you know, have different results out there in terms of, you know, giving certainty for future fundraising. Um, but obviously you also at the same time want to capture as much of the margin as, margin as possible. So, what are you thinking?
1: No, no, exactly. And I think you know. I think if you look at stage one, um, when we entered into the offtake agreement with Home Holdings, part of the driver for that was to get a bankable offtake that we could then take to lenders to secure the funding for stage one. Um, The that was superseded by an equity raising, which meant that debt was not required. So, therefore, you could argue some of the benefits that come with offtake were diluted somewhat. Um, because you do give away something for that certainty, um, there's no doubt, um, and we want to recapture that in stage two. So that's either by you know tighter tighter negotiations on on the arrangements with the off takers, or we we take more into our own control and do more of our own marketing. But that obviously requires a, a we need to build the in house skill sets to do that effectively. And 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 uh, you know, there's a counter argument that says some of these guys have been professional traders for a long time. Maybe let them stick to their knitting as long as the terms are tight enough and we're not giving too much away. That's a viable alternative as well. Right, and if you, I mean, we've heard companies actually work with their
0: off-takers to actually go and secure sort of lower-cost debt solutions because they've got bigger balance sheets typically than yeah. you, and uh, maybe there's some quid pro quo um, to doing that. Are, are those part of the conversations?
1: No, they are. And look, certainly with own Holdings, it's, it's it's a partnership approach. We have a lot of conversations about how to add value to the to the supply chain, and you know, a lot of the lot of the time with these these types of commodities, it's a value and use proposition as well. So it's. Things like the, the silica manganese content ratios and things like that, which mean that it has more value in the smelter and beyond, then perhaps um, a different blend of ores. So, uh, working closely with them to optimize and, and, and increase the payability of our material and then consequently their material is something that we, we do a lot of.
0: Right. Okay. So, all well, easy breezy, no problems. Uh, it's been smooth sailing.
1: No, no. Well, yes and no. I mean, you could you could take the uh, I could put my TV face on and say sure, but of course there've been headaches. Um, like any project that's, that's that's got got up, it's uh, there's been some some roadblocks on permitting that we've had to iron out. There's been some, look labor markets here are tight. I'll give you one. I'll give you one example. Getting people is tricky. Getting good quality people is is, is tricky. Um, fortunately financing for us wasn't a big issue, and in fact, the capital markets are, are actually pretty free flowing at the moment. So that's probably the least of the worries of a, of a, of a resource aspirant, but. Getting trucks for hauling a war, for example, takes a lot more phone calls than you would expect two years ago. Um, these kinds of things. so plane sailing no, have we got it done? Yes
0: Should have invested in a transport company, hey eh?
1: Would have been timely. had you done it twelve months ago?
0: Exactly exactly right okay,
1: so phase one,
0: phase two, you're on it. phase three, that's where it gets really really interesting, but there's you'll need a stack of money for that, surely.
1: Yeah, no, you're dead right. So, so we've done. Uh, your your viewers may remember from previous discussions, we've been on the the high purity manganese journey for for the best part of four years now. We we were early to it, um, perhaps too early that the EV market hadn't actually um, got to the critical mass that we needed it to get to uh, yet. It is it has now, but we're so we're well we're four years into the journey of developing the flow sheet and understanding the engineering side of producing a manganese sulfate uh, production plant, which takes our Concentrate from stage one and stage two and converts it to a manganese sulfate, which is what the battery guys need for their, their uh, factories. Um, that conversion facility will be, will be significantly higher capital cost than the simple beneficiation plant that we're using for stage one and stage two. So, financing will be required. In, lo- in all likelihood, a certain level of debt fund- funding will be required. Love to give you a number. I can't because we haven't done the, the feasibility work. ASX would crucify me. But to give people a concept, I'm using a 150 to 200 million Aussie type level to give people appreciation of scale, but that's a very loose number.
0: Right. And what about timing on that?
1: Uh, so we have, a, we have a target runway of, of delivery of the PFS this year, delivery of the DFS first half of next year. Uh, alongside that we we'll will product qualification with we'll the offtake partners will happen, uh, and then uh, project financing and final investment decisions second half of 2022. That's our current timeline. Delivery of the project
0: uh, 2024. Okay. It's been a really good reaction in the market. I mean, you're, you're up 5 times from when we spoke a year ago. Right. Yes.
1: So oh, and look, I think that's testament to what we've achieved. I think people are, have shown um some some sort of uh confidence in what we're trying to do by the virtue of the fact that we've delivered what we said we would deliver. Um I won't lie though, though to be honest, I mean the, the, the rising tide raises all boats. I mean commodities are a great place to be right now. So we've benefited from that as well.
0: Yeah, you have and it's and it's come off again recently and that I guess reaction to the wider General market reaction to I don't know the Fed talking about interest rates, about inflation, and, and those sorts of things last week. So, do you think you're kind of fairly priced at the moment? It's so a re- it's pretty reasonable price. No, I think
1: I think for stage one we're fairly priced. I think that's probably reasonable. I don't think there's a lot factored in for stage two and three, to be honest. And I think if you were a savvy investor looking down a slightly longer timeline, perhaps a two three or four year timeline for your investments then I think element 25 represents fantastic value um, because we have got a clear vision we have delivered stage one of that vision on time and on budget we fully expect to do the same for stage two and three um, and uh, you know the, the, the fruits of that those labors will be will be manyfold
0: why do you, why do you say factor two oh, so stage two is not factored in at the moment? What, 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 on, what, on what basis? You know what numbers oh, at the, you
1: Depends on, on what you use for, for. You know, if you just use a simple EV ratio, and I mean, our, our mine life at forty years means that once we hit steady cash flows, you should expect to see an EV based valuation on the stock. Um, as one measure of value, um, and I would argue that that, that would be roughly where we sit today. Um, I think it's stage two, you know, if we generate that and we hit our, hit our milestones on that, we're, we're heading close to hundred million dollars a year in operating surplus. I mean, I don't think our valuation now captures much, if any of that. And certainly beyond that, um, you know, we're talking significantly high revenues with multiple modules of Bany-Sulphate delivered over a decade, um, generating really good leverage returns. So I don't see any of that in the current share price.
0: Right. And so what are the risks out there in terms of market conditions? You've, or you think it's all sunshine?
1: No, I don't think it's all sunshine. I think, I think commodity markets can be volatile. One of the reasons we want to move into the chemical space is because you're, you're sheltered from that volatility um, and your margins are much better protected. So I think it becomes a different kind of business when you go down that path. I think if you stick to just manganese concentrate, you will be subject to the volatility of commodity markets. I, I think if you stay there, you'll suffer that. You'll enjoy the highs. You'll also have to work through the lows. Going, becoming a chemical company, Different game, and I think we'll 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 do better.
0: Okay, so what does this year look like in terms of the finances? Do you do you become net positive cash flow this year? Was that?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's the full, fully fully expected to become net positive cash flow.
0: Okay, so even if even if um, stage two takes a little while to actually be realised, what do you do with the cash you're generating from the stage?
1: So one? the chunk of that is is going into finalising the the uh, the flow sheet optimization to qualify a product for the off takers pilot testing, engineering design and delivery of the feasibility studies around the sulfate. Um, there's a decent budget being allocated to that. The rest of it is being allocated to the stage two expansion plans. We're not talking dividends at this stage. Dividends will come, come later. Everything that we generate will then provide the equity piece for financing for stage three, which will likely be accompanied by some debt funding, um, either from an export credit agency or, or a group like NAFE. Um, and, uh, Look, then once we build that and become um, a profitable manganese sulfate producer, we'll look at the next module of manganese sulfate. So it's a, it's a pretty, pretty uh, aggressive growth story for the next five years or so.
0: Yes, it's an aggressive growth story for sure. Um, but with the numbers that you're banding around with, with the to of stage one and stage two, why would you even need debt financing for stage three? Seems to be tens of millions of dollars uh,
1: just because of delivery and, and beyond, beyond stage 3 we have got stage 4 stage 5 stage 6 we don't want to put the brakes on anything right okay okay So you think
0: that's that would be the, that's the best way to 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 go out you're going to, to, to have
1: yeah i don't want to wait till the p bank's full to the tune of the capital we need for stage 3 i think we can do it better and faster and, and use a little bit of lever, a little bit of gearing to improve the outcome okay what's stage 4 stage 4 is a replication of stage 3 but bigger what's stage 5 and keep going. Yeah. And so I <laughs> okay. I think uh, if you look at the growth curve for demand for manganese sulfate, we, we won't be able to keep up, uh, Matthew. To be honest, um, we won't be the only player in it because we won't be able to satisfy the market ourselves. We can grow as quick as we need to, and um, the market will stay ahead of us. So there's lots of opportunity for us there, and your body is big enough to support that.
0: Okay. There you go. There's the update. Appreciate you uh, coming on and letting us know what you're up to. I mean, what, what should we be looking at for the next six months, or some?
1: Clear. Yeah. Look, I think I think uh, tangible uh, outcome and delivery: of the first cargo, second, third, and fourth cargos, and so on. Um, expansion uh, decision milestones on stage two. Um, the metallurgy, engineering, and marketing discussions with offtake partners on stage three. Uh, delivery of PFS, DFS, and then ultimately project financing and delivery. So lots of news flow
0: in an accelerated time frame. Okay, brilliant, Let Justin. I appreciate you uh, coming on and giving us that, that update. It's been a good year for you. Stay in touch, okay?
1: Thanks very much. Appreciate your time.
0: Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCats or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.